0: Well, hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. How is everyone this wonderful Thursday? I uh, We're brought to you by by Blue Chew. It's going to be another Twitter adventure today. And then I'm off for the week, and then we'll be back, and camps will be rolling along. And there uh, should be plenty more to talk about by then. So, without any further ado, my man GoPats, GoPats79, asked me, in the wake of Revis's retirement, where do you rank him all-time amongst corners? Top three, top five? His early years with the Jets were some of the best I've ever seen at cornerback play. Thoughts? Question mark. P.S. I, I still say Mike Haynes is underrated and is a top-five cover corner. Uh, yeah, I'm a big Haynes believer too. Like he got a little overshadowed, you know, on those New England teams because they weren't all that great for some of the time and. Um, he wasn't a super flashy guy like a Dion or something that really caused t- drew attention to himself. And then when him and Lester Hayes were together, they were awesome. I loved those two as a kid. But Lester was the one you noticed because he was so crazy looking with all his stick and all that. So I do think Haynes is better than Lester and probably a top-five corner. As for Revis, a uh, little stroll down memory lane, I helped recruit him to pit. So, I met Durrell when he was 16 or so. His mother's brother is Sean Gilbert, who was a pit legend and an early pick and had a very good career with the Panthers. So, Durrell wanted to go to Pitt basically his whole career. It wasn't real difficult to, uh, as a recruiting spiel. Um, but I remember watching him. He was super fluid. He played quarterback. He played corner. He, pl- he played all over the defensive backfield. He played wide receiver. He was also the best basketball player in the city of Pittsburgh when he came out, you know, and just really had great court command. I watched a couple of his games as we were doing recruiting stuff with him too. Um, So that was awesome. And then he came to Pitt and I left right before he arrived. So I never was in the building with him really on the same team. Um, To me, he's top five and the best we've seen in a while. And contrary to popular belief, not all that many guys get the true Dion treatment. You know, the you have Jerry Rice, you have Michael Irvin, lock him down all game and you're not getting any help. Revis really got that duty. Revis Island was a real thing. And you're right, GoPats. I mean, he was an elite defensive player for a long stretch, especially those early years with the Jets. I mean, to me, he was unbelievable. Never was the fastest. Um, good size, but he's never, you know, uh, he's not huge. Um, so smart though, and technically sound and understood positioning really well. And from what I understand, studied his opponents more than most receivers, understood their tendencies, knew as much about them as they did. So I think he's an easy hall of famer. I think he's one of the best corners to ever play the game. The guys I would put ahead of him are Dion. I think Dion's one. Mel Blunt, who, if you don't know, changed the game completely and is bigger than corners nowadays. And I think Woodson, Rod Woodson. You know, Charles Woodson, to me, is more of a safety. If I had to call him one or the other. Maybe I'm missing somebody, but to me, Revis is clearly the best corner since the Dion Woodson crew and is absolutely one of the best that's ever done it. Um... K. White Traffic asks, What player in this generation do you think will look back and be amazed you got to see them play? It's Cam Newton for me. I don't think we'll ever see another player like him. Saw a lot of scrambling QBs, but he's a different breed. Russell Wilson, too. He's a magician. Yeah, um, I'm not poo-pooing your question here by any means. But just watch a Combines year after year. I mean, the athletic freaks that come into this league year after year is crazy. And and I think, and that's always been true, but what I mean by that is the athleticism and the freakiness of players that come in here is moving up exponentially and faster than it ever has, in my opinion, since I've really watched the sport. So there will be guys that you'll obviously say these things about, you know, that... Man, we were so lucky to watch Johnny Unitas, <laughs> or you know who you know. Every generation has those guys, and you're right. Cam Newton, as quarterbacks go, ours is about as freaky as you get in terms of just tools. You know, Josh Allen's probably in this conversation, but who can throw a football the hardest? Very well could be Newton, and I've never seen him in person, but I know many people that have, and they all say holy cow, he's bigger in person. You know, like, sometimes measurements with athletes don't do them justice. You know, like, in a room full of linemen or offensive linemen, sometimes there's just a dude you look at and say, he's he's big for big guys, even though he's listed about the same height and weight. This is the body structure and whatnot. And I, I get that impression with Cam, that he walks in the room and you're like, holy smokes, is he a bodybuilder? Is he a defensive end? You know? So, yeah, you know, but like for a guy like Russell Wilson, you bring up, absolutely. I mean, he's a generational talent. You'll tell your kids about him, that type of deal. But Fran Tarkington kind of did that 30 or 40 years ago. You know, I mean, that people thought, you know, this was something we've never seen before. You're right. You know, I mean, Wilson is one of those guys for sure that this isn't how you coach it and he still is great. And that's really, really hard to do. Um, of course, you know Brady comes to mind is because any of us that are in the that have been watching Brady. When you're 80 years old and your grandson's on your knee going, "Tell me about Tom Brady, Grampy," you know, like of course it's like, "Tell me about Babe Ruth." You know, I think that'll be that type of conversation. But he's not like super freaky like Cam, obviously. Aaron Rodgers to me is a blend of both because. Not only is he awesome, you know, like he's a better player than Newton. But what he did is so freaky, too. You know, like his throws that he's made, his extending plays, playing out of structure, all those type of things are freaky. You know, I mean, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt. Um, so there's plenty. I mean, J.J. Watton is prime. I'm kind of acting like that's gone. But who are some others? You know, like, is there and a couple of linemen to come to mind that are gone now, but like the when Baselli and Walter Jones and Ogden were roaming the NFL, you know, the year I did with the Browns, one of my jobs was I was in charge of the NFC West. I had to have a grade on every player in the NFC West, you know, watched every snap of every NFC West player. And so that's when Walter Jones and pace were in the height of their power. And it was crazy. Like, Guys, are defensive linemen, defensive ends would start out gangbusters, like up for the challenge. They're going to beat this great dude. And really, as the game got on, their smarter move was: I'm not even going to try to beat this guy pass rushing. I'm just going to kind of hang here and play contain, play the run first. Not that they gave up, but they kind of gave up. You know, like so. When you see a freaky offensive lineman like that, is really something. I think Gronk absolutely, you know, is is the best type, the best we've ever seen, and. Wow, we've never really seen anyone like them. So, I don't know, it's a hard thing to say because there's going to be more. I mean, there just always is, which makes it so much fun. So, speaking of fun, I told you guys a little bit about Blue Chew. And I've used this example. You know, if you look at your body like a football team, and I'm 45 years old and things aren't working like they used to. Should I just ignore it? You know, should my, if my pass rush falls apart, something that's really, really important to you as a GM and head coach, say it's your pass rush. You know, it's pretty high on your list of things that you really want to be working properly. Should you just not draft any more pass rushers and just live with it? Of course not. Same's true for Blue Chew. You know, that's why you get Blue Chew. So, you know, remember the days when you were always ready to go? You know, when you had the best pass rush in town? well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed listen up bluechew.com that's blue like the color blue bluechew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA approved active ingredients as viagra and cialis so you know they work gets the blood flowing and you can take them anytime day or night even on a full stomach and since they're chewable they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be whenever you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises just keep one in your pocket if you're you know, out and about that was that always surprised me like i'm gonna take this pill and in half hour 45 minutes i'll be ready just hang on babe you know like that doesn't work so blue chew is prescribed online and ships ships straight to your door in a discreet package so no in-person doctor's visits no waiting in the pharmacy and best of all no more awkwardness they're made in the usa and since blue chew prepares and ships directly they're cheaper than a pharmacy right now we've got a special deal for our listeners Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free and use our special promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, and you paid us five bucks in shipping. That's BlueChew, bluechuche ucom promo code LOCKEDON to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring our podcast. So, uh, let's get back to Twitter madness here. Yesterday was a good Twitter show, too, by the way. Um, K. White, I I should have brought this up, too, but he was talking about comparing Russell Wilson and Vic, and he sent a follow-up tweet saying, Vic was similar to Russ, but Russ is a way better passer, and that's absolutely true. However, I'm going to go back to another Brown story from Williamson. My year with the Browns, there was a dude named James Kirkland, who's a good friend of mine, and he's now a director of football ops at the University of Illinois. But he scouted longer than I did, and kept you know had a very good career doing that. But we were both fish out of water at in a new city, didn't know anybody. New hires together became good buds. Didn't have any reason to go home. Our families were elsewhere. He was from Atlanta. I was from Pittsburgh. This was Big Ben's rookie year. So like in our free time, just for fun. I would watch, who's this rookie quarterback my Steelers got, you know? I mean, they were 15-1 and one that year, so I would watch Roethlisberger. And he'd watch Vic and we'd watch them together. So I watched a ton of Vic just for fun. And he's a much better runner than Wilson at his prime. And that's with all respect to Wilson, who's an unbelievable runner. But Vic, when he was early on Vic... Was the fastest guy in the field with unbelievable moves and vision. It was like a video game. You know, You when you watch coaches tape of him, and uh-oh, he's tucking it, here he goes. Holy smokes. I mean, it was like nothing I've ever seen or seen since. I mean, Lamar Jackson's in that conversation, and I want to see him against NFL people chasing him. And you're right, Wilson's a much better passer, and he's a better player. But Vic's freakiness was freakier. And the other thing about Vic, and just to mentioning him as a passer, do you remember... How he threw the ball. He had a very unique and different wind-up release. It was like he was throwing a dart. Like he flicked just his wrist in his ear. Snap. You know, just snapped that thing off. And the ball came out like a howitzer. I mean, not a lot of touch and not super accurate. But he wasn't as bad a passer as I think you can lump him into. to be. I mean, he made a lot of wild throws and that thing came out now. Uh, Charles asked me, "What's your favorite football movie?" All right, I'm kind of a cynic here. Is maybe I'm too analytical or too close to football? But when I watch football movies, I often am like, "That's not right." You know, like, "Come on, I can't, I can't buy that." Where there's many more good baseball movies, in my opinion. So, what is the best football movie? Uh, many have criticized me, or, or like, Williams, what the heck's going on? Because I've never seen Rudy, so I heard Rudy's great. Um, what is the best football movie? There isn't one that jumps out at me. And I have been asked this question before, and my answer, obviously, is kind of funny, is Fast Times, Original Ridge High. That's kind of a football movie, right? Tackled by Washington, Tackled by Washington. Uh, one of the best movies ever, by the way, but... I don't have a football movie that I love. I mean, Major League and so many good bas- baseball movies and Slapshot. So it's not like I don't like sports movies. I just don't, I haven't found a football one that's awesome. And maybe I'm just too close to it and look at it and say, that ain't right. All right, all right. David Franklin asked me, In 2017, the Lions were 7th in passing, 32nd in rushing, not surprising, making them the 13th best offense. With the improvement at O-line and running back, where do you think their offense will rank in 2018? And there's been some changes. They reinforced their offensive line with the first-round pick. Ragnow, he's going to play guard, but he's probably better at center. Uh, on Johnson, the second pick. Uh, Ebron is gone. So clearly all their offensive personnel moves have been Geared towards we got to get the running game better. It's been so damn bad for so damn long. we got to get it better. And Ebron can't block it out of a paper bag. So that was part of why he was gone, in my opinion. Tight ends have really been, are now like an afterthought for them. But I do think they have a potential to have a top five offensive line. And right now I'd certainly rank it in the top ten. I do offensive line ranks. I haven't done that in a while. I really like Galladay, and I think he's going to be a breakout player. And you're going to see a lot of three-receiver sets, in my opinion. I think he's going to see the field a lot. But if Tater Jones were to go down, Galladay, I think, fills in really, really well. And maybe even moves past one of them, possibly, this year. I'm that high on him. Um, I like Johnson. I don't love him. But I think he's, you know, they also brought him blunt. But he's been he's better than what they've had. The blocking should be much better. My hunch is they're going to dedicate themselves to the run a little bit more. But I think Stafford's awesome. I mean, uh, I got a lot of heat around here because I rank Stafford ahead of Roethlisberger of who's the better quarterback right now. And I stand by it. I mean, I think Stafford is exceptional and keeps getting better, um, is underrated in a big way. So if I were to guess, like how many, I guess the best question, not, not where they end up in the ranks and what, but... How many offenses around the league would I say are better than Detroit's right now? Ten at the most. I mean, at the most. I mean, just looking at their division, I would say theirs is the best or is Green Bay's. I mean, Rodgers is hard to argue against. But Stafford's got a great supporting cast, and I'm expecting him to have a massive season. Um, David Franklin. No, I got this mixed up. Actually, a couple people asked me about Mike Williams, the Chargers first-round pick a year ago. What's his potential? Can he possibly reach it? Um, actually, in the, on the Dynasty Blueprint show I did, he, his name came up, and I mentioned he's a guy that I am actively trying to buy in that in that fantasy format. That people were a little down on him. They're starting to finally change their tune. And when he came out of school... I thought he was a very, very good prospect. Any year he came out, he's a first-round wide receiver, you know. But I didn't think that he's, you know, top 10 to me was a little rich. I didn't think he was a great prospect. A very good one, not a great one. He's not super sudden like a Julio or the other bigger, you know, true number one receiver types. But he goes up and gets. He's big and physical. He's a kind of a build-up speed guy. But I think people are forgetting or, or selling him short, you know, that I've heard people asking, like, who's going to get more targets this year, Tyrell Williams or Mike Williams? And Hunter Henry's not in the picture, so there's more targets to go around. And and Tyrell Williams is a good player, and, you know, they have have a good receiving core. But Mike Williams, I think, is going to go way past him. I mean, I think we're going to look at it and say Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are one of the best receiver duos in the league. You know, I mean, maybe not to the level of Thielen and Diggs, but, like, in that conversation or, you know juju and brown or you know i mean like this is one of the best pairings in the league i think he's that good especially because he's going to be a number two type guy i think he's gonna catch a lot of touchdowns especially with henry not around and i assume gates is coming back but i guess i don't know that for sure um so i'm very high on him overall i think he's going to put up numbers i think he's going to help this offense a ton so there you go Uh, rbc asked me miami dolphins what do you recommend to do if you are a VP of football operations or GM of this franchise in order to be competitive and a winner again? Well, one thing we've seen off season after off season with Miami was too many bad contracts, too many big contracts that you're not getting your money's worth. And we saw a little of that this year, you know, like trading for Quinn, but I thought it was better. They purged some of those guys I think there's hope that they'll be more financially responsible and adequate in that regard. I'm a Gase believer. Um, I think he's a very good orchestrator of offense and designer of offense. I like Tannehill more than most, but I think if you're in charge, this is put up or shut up time for both those guys. That you, know, you got to remember. I mean, they didn't have their starting quarterback all last year. I mean, like that's hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, They're a better team, I think, than people realize. But I think if... You be patient this year and say, I want to see the best of Tannehill. I need to see him take a big step forward and be what personally what I think he could be. If that doesn't happen, then it's time to put some trade material together, get up to the top of the draft, and get your favorite guy. Um, The offense... This is a big key, too, is with Gase's offense, it's so scheme-driven. It's more important in his offense than others that X receiver needs to be exactly here at this point and run the right route because everything's timing-based and this route runs off this route. And as productive as like Jarvis Landry was, that's not exactly who he is, and Parker hasn't been that guy. But Albert Wilson and Amendola are. You know, they're not great players... But he wants smart dudes that do what they're told and run the play as it's designed. And the play design will get you open. And then you make your quarterback's life a lot easier. So I think it's really interesting. You ship out, going back to the Ajayi move, and then going to Drake, and the the running running game goes dramatically better. Because I don't think Ajayi kind of followed the rules either. You know, this is where you're supposed to, this is the hole you're supposed to hit, and timing you use, and this is how we're blocking it. And Drake did, and Drake looked really good. Um, it is kind of a middling franchise. Like I'm not super impressed. I'm not going to have them high in the power ranks, but I think right now there is promise that this off season, I think was not that they won the off season or anything like you guys asked yesterday, but it, it told us a lot about what they want to be, but there are some positions that still worry me. You know, if if, what if Parker doesn't take a step forward too, kind of like the Tannehill conversation. Um, I really worry about the defensive tackles now that Sue is gone. I mean, those guys have some ability, but they have ability when Sue's getting a double team next to them. They have a lot of edge pass rush. The so linebacking looks better. Secondary above average, average, something like that. I'm not above average, but around average. So I'm also now a little short on star power with these guys too. They ship some of those guys out. Like who are the studs? I do like the edge pass rush a lot, and I'm hoping we'll see like a NASCAR package a lot on third downs, you know, four defensive ends on the field with some regularity. And I think Tannehill needs to take a step forward. So that's where I'm at. Uh, Folks, this is a wrap. This is the last pod um, for seven or eight days or whatever while I'm gone. Um, Thank you much. Check out the rest of the Locked On Network. See you later.